everyone it's matt checking in real quick before we get started you might hear some background noise it sounds like the gates of hell have been unleashed on your ears uh that's the midwest delicacy known as cicadas and since rich has to turn off his ac when we record otherwise you'd hear the whir i think he opened his window so i did what i could to try to scrub the uh the chittering of the cicadas but you'll probably hear some in the background anyways enjoy the episode we'll see you soon at historic fest all right have a good one Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I'm Rich Trapier. And this is episode 50. 50! On the table. 50 episodes in the bag. Well, almost. Almost. (laughs) We're weaving the bag for episode 50, I guess. I feel like we should be doing more, but I just feel like it's been a summer for both of us. I can't believe... It's like 50 episodes and uh, we have a great game to talk about, but... It's funny. I mean, we talked about it last month, how this is our big 50th episode. And honestly, I kind of forgot that until we, until tonight. I was like, oh yeah, it's number 50. <laughs> yeah. I've had, I've had historic fest on the brain. Uh, not going to lie. That's been the the top priority in, in terms of what the last few weeks have had in store. Yep. Uh, otherwise maybe, maybe 51 can be the real true episode 50. Well, that makes or, sense. We got plenty we to talk do... about next month, so. Oh yeah, and or episode we can do fifty episodes of Rich as well, and maybe oh, yeah. we can have like a supercut <laughs> of all your best lines or something like that once you hit the fifty anniversary mark. There we go. So, Rich, how you been, buddy? I've been good. Um, it was an interesting month for me. Uh, I did not, you know, I I thought it was going to be a lot more gaming than it was. It didn't turn out to be that much gaming. Um, just some solo stuff. It's I haven't been able to go to uh, a St. Louis area war gamers day the historical gaming society i haven't been to one in several months and i'm gonna miss the next two as well so i'm kind of feeling detached from the community but i'm really looking forward to kc because i haven't had much of a chance to play face to face with anyone so i'm really looking forward to that yeah well i'm in the same boat as you as far as the anticipation and i i even sheeted out something i don't know what what you say anymore but that's what i'm gonna go with something about like <laughs> that's gonna be my first face-to-face in in uh gosh it's got to be since may i mean i, I guess i've played euro games and, and card games and stuff but yeah. as far as historical gaming it's been like since may uh since i've done anything like that and it's funny you mentioned like the detached from community it's so weird that we get this feeling like if i don't get on shitter for like <laughs> three weeks and it it feels like i don't know who these people are and i don't know what they're talking about and like so much happens but then it's also like refreshing i'm so unplugged from any major gaming news i haven't really seen much of the gen con stuff i've seen a little bit of magic news i yeah i haven't paid attention to any gen con stuff like other than you know i always read the gmt email when it comes out every month but yeah other than that eh, nothing yeah, it's kind of weird. It's been it's been a breath of fresh air, but at the same time, it, it also feels like, gosh, am I doing am I doing something wrong? But obviously, it's one hundred percent fine and normal. But I don't know. It's it's a weird feeling. It's an uncomfortable feeling. <laughs> but you know what's comfortable, Rich? What is these slippers by our sponsor? No, <laughs> uh, a fresh new war game showing up on your doorstep, and I've got one. Well, I don't, so tell me about yours. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about it a couple times, because yeah. the pre-order was a bit ago, and then there were some delays. I've got Triumph Almarengo here from Bowen Simmons. Nice. 
Yeah, pretty sweet. So I have I have one of Bowen's games. I obviously this is the newest one. It's Northern Italy, uh, Napoleon against the Austrians. It's a block war game. It's a little bit um, abstracted. I have yet to play any of their games, mm-hmm. which is too bad. But I I'm taking this one to Sork Fest with me. I nice. have every intention of throwing it on on the table uh given the chance i think my calendar has kind of shaped out yeah I'm the there's same. like my saturday which i've left open for i don't want to spoil what i'm doing on saturday yet because it's not locked in so i don't want to hype anything up that won't actually happen but <laughs> the the goal is u.s civil war followed by federation commander we'll see if that pans out federation commander that's the star trek one right that's the star trek one yeah Oh, wow. I've got the rule book for that. I would love to play it sometime, but I don't know when I will ever play that game. <laughs> so if that doesn't shake out, then Triumph of Marengo is definitely green light because <laughs> then I'll still have all my Saturday open. But I still have a little bit of time on Sunday morning, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So what about you, Rich? What? Uh, that, and that's all I got in the mail was Triumph of Marengo. Yeah, for games on the shelf, it's it's literally nothing for me. Um, I saw a few one day last week, I think, I can't remember when, one of our listeners got a copy of Plantagenet. So I guess he got an early because he assisted with it. So when I saw that, I got my hopes up that it was coming to me soon. But uh, I, I expect that that'll come sometime, you know, maybe this month, maybe next. I, it says it's shipping, so, but nothing, no new games for me last month. Yeah, Paco designed and had a, has had a role in several Levian campaign games. And then Mark is also a designer of Levian campaign games as yeah. well. Okay, cool. So, anyways, yeah, that's cool. Sorry, what I started to say at the beginning, I said, so Rich, what about you? What I meant to ask and then got off topic <laughs> was what's your Historic Fest schedule look like? Uh, it's pretty packed. All the days are packed anyway. Um, not like overdones, but I think I've got, you know, like a morning and an afternoon game every day. I can't remember exactly what we've got going on. A few I'm hosting, like, I think the first night we get there, I'm hosting Charioteer. Nice. Um, so we're going to play that. And then I've got a John Company game. Um, what else? I should probably look in my bag that I've already started to pack. Oh, PAX Premier. Yeah, you're playing Founding Fathers with me on Founding Friday. Founding Fathers with you, yep. And I think, uh, oh, on Sunday, I'm going to play Littoral Commander, so I'm excited about that one. Awesome, yeah. If I wasn't doing 1832, yeah, uh, I would definitely pop into that. So it's weird to suss out my schedule because like, I host, like uh, if you're looking for a game Thursday night, sign up here. Uh, but my schedule, Dutch Intercity and other shenanigans on Thursday night, which is the highlight of any event I go to. Not going to lie. So Dutch Inner City <laughs> kicking off Thursday night. I've left Friday open to just do some pickup stuff with registration and then set up for Founding Fathers, which will kick off and run all Friday afternoon and through Friday night. Saturday, I already talked about Sunday morning sports games and Sunday late Sunday morning, 1832, my favorite 18XX. Excuse me, at least eighteen XX that I own. So yeah, is, that's my that's my okay. schedule. Is eighteen thirty two the old prince? No. Okay. Um that's eighteen seventy. Okay. I can never remember which one is which, but you said it was your favorite, so I thought maybe that was it. Uh favorite that I own. Um oh, no okay. one has printed 
okay. the old print. Uh, 1871, sorry, not 1870. No one is print like you can do print and play copies of the old prints, but no one that isn't like commercially available. And I don't own 1841, which is another amazing one. But yeah, 1832, which by the way, we have three spots left in that game, and I think Founding Fathers. We have two spots in Founding Fathers as yeah. well. If you want, I wonder. So maybe you know this, but the number of people that are going versus the number of people that already signed up for games. I, I would expect that there's going to be plenty of people that are still looking for games when they get there. Yeah. And over this next week, I'm really going to push the like, Hey, if you don't have a game, sign up for this and I'm going to put, so we have a Thursday night block, a Friday morning, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night. If like, I don't have a game to play, you can sign up and then we share a spreadsheet with everyone's contact information. Mm -hmm. And then you can contact that person and be like, hey, want to play something? Just because we kind of ran into that. Like, we had a whiteboard last year. Yeah. And you could kind of write notes. But as people asked for this. So if you haven't signed up for your historic events yet, do it. There's tons of events, you know, ranging from Axis and Allies through 18XX. Um, we've got GBACW learning games, coin learning games. Uh, someone's doing a, a demo of the GMT solo system. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, Next War, uh, Last 100 Yards, Mike Denson, of course, is doing teaching of that. There's a million different events for you to sign up on. I mean, there's lots of different uh, trick takers Thursday night. There's there's games with space. Virgin Queen is full, but there's lots of different ways to go sign up and play some stuff. All right. Nice. Okay. That's it on Historic Fest, other than we're like less than two weeks away. So if you're not signed up yet, I don't know what you're waiting on. Uh, food, drink, tons of door prizes. Doing door prizes a little bit different this year is just like kind of a problem to like wait for everyone. We're just gonna we're gonna pull and see what happens. And I'll probably like pull on Saturday morning. And if you're there, then you get to get a prize, all that kind of stuff. Anyways, I'll make an announcement. But we have tons of prizes, food and drink included. Uh, yeah, Rich, you been reading anything? Uh, yeah, I read a really good book called Undaunted Courage by Stephen E. Ambrose. Have you ever heard this one before? I have. Okay. I've stopped reading Stephen Ambrose. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it, it was funny. I mean, I know it's a name I recognize, but I couldn't really place what else I've read by him or seen by him. But anyway, this one is about the Lewis and Clark expedition, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, me being from St. Louis, Lewis and Clark are like a huge, huge part of our city's history. Lewis well, is you don't not have named much after else. him. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, I mean, it's it's a good book about the expedition itself, about their travels there and back, and, you know, Meriwether Lewis's life afterwards, which was, I, I didn't even know that part. That's like super depressing. Um, but it was a really good book. It, it talked a lot about the, you know, their... Um, their their small crew of i can't I remember how many people they took but it's 20 or 30 people or something like that they talked about um their their dealings with the different uh native americans that they met along the way and they had a pretty peaceful journey out there and then on their way back they got in all these fights i, I thought that was weird but um you know the the trials and tribulations of of just mapping all that out and you know, they're sailing up the river trying to find, they're trying to find a waterway from St. Louis to the Pacific Ocean. Um, but, you know, rivers fork and you're like, I don't know, should we go this way or that way? So 
um, it was it was a good book. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, I I'm not like Stephen Ambrose is super readable and it's enjoyable. You know, he did Banner Brothers. Oh, okay, okay. And he did some other stuff, and he did he did a great railroad book. I mean, he's got a long list of stuff. He did an Eisenhower and Nixon thing and all this stuff. The problem with Stephen Ambrose, and I didn't know this until someone pointed it out to me, is supposedly he's plagiarized a bunch of stuff. He doesn't properly cite works. He reportedly made up quotes for that railroad book I read. Yeah. And then he also supposedly lied about like his relationship with Eisenhower and like made it to seem like in Eisenhower's later years that it was they were buddy buddy and yeah. there just doesn't there's nothing to really support that is what the claims are at least yeah. so super enjoyable stuff to read it's just like well I'll just read someone who doesn't make up quotes for their book yeah <laughs> so. there's a great museum here in St. Louis it's actually under the arch uh yeah, I've been uh, there yeah so that's it's it's not solely about Lewis and Clark, but a large portion of it is devoted to them. So I haven't been there in a few years. Reading this book made me want to go back. Yeah, worth worth mentioning that the museum is about Lewis and Clark, like you said, not about Stephen Ambrose. That would right, be more right. confusing. Yeah. <laughs> that would be very confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a Stephen Ambrose museum. Well, good. <laughs> I Yeah, I've been reading just like murder mysteries and stuff. I've just really been in a, a funk that I'm not like afraid to like admit. Like Just historically, nothing... Yeah, is igniting that fire, and that's fine. I mean, I go in phases with my hobbies and interests all the time. So just some murder mystery stuff, which is good, and lots and lots and lots of podcasts, which is usually my nonfiction time. I listen to audiobooks, <laughs> but I've just I've been on a big pop podcast binge. It's yeah, been good. Yeah, all right, let's, nothing wrong with that. That's right. Like this podcast, you should binge <laughs> this podcast. Yeah, and our sponsor, no, uh, Rich, you've been playing games. I've not been playing. I Anything. have. It looks like I've been playing a lot more than I have. And, and it's, but so everything I've been, well, not everything. Um, the only game that I've played with anyone is uh, John Company. So awesome. my, my daughter and my, my two daughters and my wife and I played, I think just last weekend, basically because my oldest daughter and I, um, we are, we're both coming to Kansas City and we're playing it there. And she has played it once before. So we just wanted another run just to kind of remember how it works. So Hell yeah. we did play John Company. Um, we played the introductory scenario, the five years. And uh, it was it was pretty fun. I mean, you know, as we started to get into it, we, we made it not to the end of the fifth year. But basically, you know, in the fifth year, we saw what was coming and we knew that was the last turn. And, and my little one actually intentionally tanked the company <laughs> as, as, yeah. as one should. Yeah. So yeah, it was funny. Cause she was, the, she was the chairman at the time and we got to the, the chairman's and she goes, uh, she goes, no, I'm not taking on any loans and nobody's getting any money. And this company's going down. <laughs> it's like, all right, you're ruthless. So, yeah, that was the only game I got to play with some people. Um, I played a couple games solitaire this month. I played Next Door India-Pakistan, which I just, I forgot how much I like that game because um, as much as I love Next War, the, the naval rules are always a burden to me. So, yep. a game with no naval rules, you got Next War India-Pakistan. It's just everything that's good about the system. Uh, and then right now I've got Red Storm on my table, also playing Solitaire, and I'm actually playing the specific Solitaire scenarios, which I've never done before. So I've always oh, cool. played this against someone, and it's uh it's different. It's kind of fun. I mean, it's obviously the same game, but um it's you know you streamline it, you put a lot of extra counters on the map, and you roll to see if they activate. Um, but yeah, so far so good. It's fun. 
I know we said it before. I want to back up just real quick to India, Pakistan. And yeah. if like someone's listening to this episode for the first time, I just again, that's my favorite next war. Yeah, I mean, I I was in the Iran play test for a while. I, I dropped out just because I had too many other things going on. Sure. I think I like Iran better, even okay. though it does have the naval stuff. But yeah, I mean, India, Pakistan is just fantastic. It's so good. Well, I would like. I'm very like much Korea looking forward to Pakistan, actually. and I, I I like everything everything I've played. I just India Pakistan, the terrain, the forces, all of everything. I like it a lot. The map layout, very clean presentation. Yep. Um, but Iran looks fantastic. I'm very excited for that. We've also talked about that. But if someone's just coming along for the first time and they're like, "Well, there's all these titles and they all seem to, right. you know, they each do a different thing. And I know India Pakistan might be the hardest one to get right now just because it's between print runs, but man, can't, yeah, that's can't recommend that one enough. The go-to for your first next war game. Yeah. But I, then I think it also like still warrants keeping around like some of the like beginner OCS stuff, um, mm-hmm. reluctant enemies and stuff. I really like reluctant enemies, but I can understand like wanting to move on that game after a while. Whereas next war in India Pakistan will always be in my collection. Yeah. So, just because we don't have a lot to talk about this episode, Rich, we're already in August. I don't know if you knew that or not. Yeah, it feels like August here. It's, we're running yeah. about a, a week behind on our recording, but we are in August, which yeah. means in four months, we're doing our end of the year episode. <laughs> yeah. I just have a prediction. I don't want to, you don't have to spoil it, but I am just predicting right now that you know, John Company was on my list last year. You had not played it yet. Oh, okay. I bet the John Company is is in your top list. I bet. Oh yeah, it's yeah yeah it's it's going to be one of my favorite games I've played this year. It's yeah, and probably the only you know things can change, um, but probably the only game I've played this year that I enjoyed more than John Company is uh, uh, Glory, the Rome game we played. Oh yes, that was amazing. What and was Founding Fathers could give you a run for the money. But yeah. I, I think uh, Rise of the Roman Republic is uh, yeah. way too good. I don't think anyone will reach that. Yeah. That's. But yeah, I'm loving John Glory Kemper. to Rome. No, In no, fact, not Glory to Rome. What's, it's not what's called that Glory called? to Rome. That's the little card game. What's Yeah, that's... Rise of the Roman Republic. That's what it is. Is that what it's no. called? No, no, that's, that's the bird it. game. <laughs> oh my gosh, Lawrence is just like driving his <laughs> well, car we, we off. We could the... look at our game that we started playing and never went anywhere with. <laughs> yeah, I could. Fill the airtime while I do that. I'll check Axe because it actually probably is still in there. Oh no, you're looking. I was okay. It's Republic of Rome. Republic of Rome. You were you were supposed you weren't supposed to look. You were supposed to fill the airtime while I, oh, while okay. I browse uh, Discord. But we got it. Republic of Rome. Yeah, one of the best games I've ever played in my life. Yeah, we just don't and, know the name uh, of it. So it's great. <laughs> I need to. Oh man, I, before my surgery, Lawrence had mentioned getting together for in June, and I was like, I would love to, and I even think I got the green light for it. And it's just yeah. like I can't do a marathon day after this. Anyways, yeah. yeah, I just I it sounds like you're really enjoying John Company as you should, and I bet it's gonna be Yeah back in our end of the year list again. Similar to what you said with the books, um I've been reading I haven't been reading a lot of like war history books. I've just been reading kind of other history books. Although as there was one I'll talk about it in next month I'm really enjoying. But I kind of wanted, as I was playing John Company, I really wanted to read a good book about that. So I'm sure there's some out there. I think you've talked about some. Yep, I've got one for you. It's William Dalrymple's yeah. book is uh, fantastic. Okay. The Anarchy. Really recommend it. Cool. So that's what I've been doing. You played nothing at all. Surely you've played something. 
Oh, I've played plenty, but we're gonna we're gonna save that for once we. <laughs> I haven't played any historical games. Okay. So once once people tune out, then when we talk about the off the shelf, yeah. off the table stuff, we'll talk about that. But yeah. I do have a game to play right now, Rich. Ooh, what is that game? It's the war game game. It's the game Ooh, of games. That's everyone's favorite game, and you can't buy it on BGG. You cannot. You can only get this in one spot, folks, because we're the only <laughs> podcast that does any kind of trivia segment. <laughs> All right, are you ready, sir? Well, how are we going to do it this time? Because we've, we've really bounced around on this one this Just year. Just the original. Okay. Oh, the so classic. If, okay. War game uh, game classic. War game game. Here's how it works, folks. I have thought of a game. Rich gets at least 10 guesses or something like that. Sometimes he throws in the towel. Sometimes not. <laughs> sometimes we rhyme. But basically, it's 10 clues. If Rich gets it before he gets any clues, he gets 10 points. If he gets three clues, he gets nine, eight, seven points. Uh, so, Rich, that being said... Do you have your first guess? I do. I'm going to go okay. with uh, We the People. No, nice guess. Okay. I love how you say nice guess. Like, it has anything to do with where well, we are. It's not too. it's not too far off. But okay. let's start with, this is a 2013 game. Okay. That's all you're giving me so far, 2013 game. Yeah, don't be greedy. <laughs> uh, so it's 10 years old, Empire of the Sun. No, not as good a guess. This is a block <laughs> war game. Oh, okay. A block war game that's 10 years old. What is the name? There's a World War II block game that covers, like, a lot. Like, I think there's mm. one for maybe Europe and one for Asia. I can't think of the name of it. So, um, I can't think of the name of it, and I can't think of the name of one that's only 10 years old. I can think of a bunch of really old ones. How about Tarawa? There's a Tarawa block game, but I think that's newer than that. There is a Terror Block War game, and this is like it. Terror Forty Three or something like that. Yeah, know. that that's that game. Okay, <laughs> but we're not talking about that game. Uh, this game is published by Mercury Games, or was. The, this is long out of print, I believe. Mercury Games. I don't even know Mercury Games. Stratego. No, not oh, not shoot. a great guess. <laughs> uh, Mercury Games did Polis. Might oh, be okay. the game you've. I've heard of that, but I haven't most... played it. Yeah. They did some Polis 18xx is games. More of a Euro game, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I haven't played is. it, but I've heard of it. Same. This is a Civil War game. All right. American Civil War game. I'll even give you that. Ooh, that's like an extra clue. I can't think of any Civil War block games. I think we're going to make it all the way down to the Rhine. Oh, this one. boy. Uh, oh, you know what? It's pro- Maybe it's a battle game. Maybe it's like Worthington makes some Civil War block games. They Maybe do. Yeah, maybe they bought one from this Mercury company. Uh, let's go with Chancellorsville. No. All right. This game covers the Battle of Gettysburg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, surely it's not just called Gettysburg. What's that new one that just came? A Most Fearful Sacrifice. Maybe that's a reprint. No. No. All right. This game is designed by Bowen Simmons. That's not helping at all. Um, Devil's Den. Really? I just talked about Triumph of Marengo. I almost let the name of the game slip, but I purposely like <laughs> held back because I'm like, if I give him this much, he will remember this is game and then guess it. No, it's not Triumph of Marengo. That's no, I said, point. is it Devil's Den? Oh, no. no oh, no. okay. <laughs> this is a successor to, but entirely new in design, to Napoleon's Triumph and Bonaparte at Marengo. Well, it can't be because you said it was an ACW game. Totally different. Yeah, yeah, but (laughs) similar. 
Did oh, I already well, told you it was. I'm it's a Gettysburg battles, game, now. Rich. Oh, it is a, a Gettysburg g- game. Oh, I already <laughs> just said that one. Okay. Uh, the Seminary. I have no idea. All right. It rhymes with the <laughs> buns of Hettysburg. The guns of Gettysburg. You that's got a it. Book. That's not a game. It's also a game, and really? that's when we were talking historic fest stuff. I'm also going to bring Guns of Gettysburg with me because I've always wanted wanted to yeah. play that as well. I gotta look this up now because I think you're making stuff up. Yeah, Rich, it's like a it w- was a really popular game when it came out. Is it it came out after Napoleon's Triumph, which is you know like wildly. I, I don't know if I'd say successful. Like people love Napoleon's Triumph, and it's really hard mm-hmm. to find a copy. I've never been able to play it. Then Guns of Gettysburg came out, and then this oh, you know Triumph of Marengo. It looks like that system that that I played with Don last year. Yeah, the looks like it on the table. I mean, with the the way the blocks are and the one you're um, the one that rolls up in a tube. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember what's that called. Like that. Yeah, it kind of does. It uses thin wooden mm-hmm. sticks more so than blocks but right. yeah so i really went guns of gettysburg has been on my shelf since i like got into historical gaming never played it and now with triumph of marengo it's it's due time that i try out a bowen simmons design and so either one of those will hit the table in the next month month and a half anyways uh a, a valiant effort rich <laughs> a valiant effort indeed all right so everyone feel free to uh let us know in discord what number clues it took you to get that game yeah did you get did you get zero points did did well, you I not even so. get it on the rhyme no you get i get it on the rhyme no no, no. i'm asking the listeners oh, Rich. okay <laughs> did you get was the rhyme too tricky did you get 11 <laughs> points did you guess it before the game even started because that would be impressive give yourself a bonus point rich i did play a game a game i really enjoyed like actually yeah. really enjoyed and we're gonna talk about the game this episode i bet i can guess which one this is all right give me your guess rich is it Victory Roads? Oh, Rich, you are so <laughs> close. You're so close. Folks, our featured game for episode 50 in a surprise. I thought ASL was going to take a turn. Like, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I just put ASL out, out there. It came out of nowhere. Because, well, I didn't even, like, neither of us put it up. I was like, oh, that's a game I want to play. And yeah, so let's talk about that real quick. I nominated Advanced Squad Leader because I just thought for sure that is what our listeners were going to vote on. And like, what a way to do episode 50. But no, we were proven wrong. And Liberty Roads, a 2009 design by Yves Lequelec and Nicolas Redent. If he's French, it's probably like Redent. Probably. I did learn Google how to pronounce Eve. So I got that down before we started. Uh, 2009 design by Hexasim. And finally, as I like hit the table because I'm so excited about it, we have a Hexasim game entering the list, and we yeah. I've talked about it like, oh, we gotta play a Hexasim game. We gotta play a Hexasim game. Here we are, Hexasim game. This is Allied Invasion of Normandy and Beyond. Mm-hmm. World War Two game, operational game, very uh, procedural in its approach. Uh, what I mean by that is you move through different phases. Beautiful looking map. I played oh, one of the best. I mean, not just the map, the counters, everything. It's the top, absolute top notch. I do agree that the counters look amazing. They are. They're just small. I wish they yeah. were the the bigger size up. I don't know what this is like three eighths inch or whatever. Yeah. I did think it was just a little bit fiddly, but yeah, the counter art is super impressive. 
and it's yeah it's operational you're covering the whole allied invasion up to the rhine and all that stuff there's three scenarios included it's a one and a half mapper with a side or not a side but an introductory scenario mm-hmm. for uh cobra uh and that's like a quarter map if that and so that's all you get in the box it's not very counter dense which is great for a game that's covering the size it's a counter sheet and a half uh, so, like, you have a map and a half size, and you're not, like, overflowing with counters. This isn't, like, an OCS thing or anything like that. Uh, yeah, it's World War II, yeah. Western Europe. Well, I just want to say off the bat, um, we have talked about this game before because I've played it. I played yep. it, I don't know, a year or two. I don't remember how long ago it was. But um, I think there's a misconception that I don't like this game, and that's that cannot be further from the truth i like this game a lot oh okay we will talk about it um we'll talk about the the little things about it that weren't what i wanted but it's a great game okay and that was i think i put that misconception out there because i i think you had played this before you came on the show maybe yeah it's it's been a while and yeah i just had that in my mind and i I was surprised and that i'm glad you cleared that clear Mm -hmm. that up because this is this is a great game now naturally and I do this all the time, and I apologize. This is going to get compared to Normandy 44, which I know you haven't played before. Right, but that sure. is the Normandy Zokban from Mark Simonich GMT Games. That's the Normandy entry, obviously. And there's going to be a lot of comparisons to that, I think. And I think what you can say about both of those games is they are a good entry-level slash intermediate game with core rules that are very basic with good amounts of chrome added on i've always said that about normandy i think that's the same here it's just in what type of flavor do you want your chrome like what toppings do you want on your vanilla ice cream because look this game is pretty straightforward you have movement factors you have attack factors and you have defense factors Mm -hmm. and you have armor units just like you do in Normandy 44 and they may apply some special rules and combat is you tally up, you get the odds. I like, we'll get more into it, but I like the slight twist on, on combat resolution here and movement is a little bit different as well. It, um, just with how you kind of string things together, but I, d- I don't want to dive too far into the details until, I mean, obviously I'm excited about it and you just said you like the game a lot, but is there any like big picture stuff that you want to get out of the way before we dive in? Yeah. Um, other than, like I said already, um, visually it's just great. I mean, it looks amazing on the table. Um, one of the things I like about this game and I was joking, there's, it's actually got a a sister game called victory roads that I've never played that one. Um, but I think that is that Eastern front. Is that what victory roads is? I think so. And this one is obviously France. Um, but this one has a lot of mechanics that you will see in other games. Um, so it's 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 got a little bit of OCS in it. Mm-hmm. It's got a little bit of like blind swords in it. Um, we'll talk about the combat resolution. It's got a lot of other pieces into it. And I think the biggest appeal for this game is that it's very sandboxy. When you're yeah. the allied player, you can land anywhere you want in mm-hmm. France. I mean, obviously some places are better than others and, most people quickly realize there's a reason they landed in Normandy. Um, but I mean, with the exception of like, there are some hexes where it says, no, you literally cannot land troops here. Um, but there are places that are better defended and harder to land on. And I mean, you can invade Southern France if you want to, you do whatever you want. You get to choose where you invade. And I think that is the number one thing about this game that sets it apart. 
I mean, there are other games like something like uh, uh, Unconditional Surrender Europe, Tataller Krieg, I'm assuming, you know, those are sandboxy as well. But that's that's the thing about this game, I think, that people will talk about. Yeah, but it's sandboxy at the operational level. Yeah. Which is different than Tataller Krieg, which is sure. a, which Absolutely. is World War Two in a box, right? Yep. And, I, and I've played a couple games that have tried to do the sandboxy operational thing or or the sandboxy world war ii game even if you talk um, strategic and some have worked better for me than others like totaler Mm -hmm. creek i you know it's it's in the middle of our list um and we're talking access empires totaler creek it's in the middle of our top quadrant of our list top half whatever i don't know where it's at still a great game this doing it at the operational scale and just giving you the flexibility of going back to this game and trying an invasion on any of these beaches is really just something cool. Yeah. Like what I enjoy doing since I played this solo did Cobra great at teaching the So Cobra is like the, the short you're just doing the historical stuff and you're just doing the, the beach stuff. And it's very, very short. Uh, and then there's two other scenarios. It's a smaller map and it's only half the rule book or something. Yeah. And even the full rule books only what, like 16 pages or something. It's not, not there's there's basic rules which cover your movement, your combat, and the most kind of complex, for lack of a better term, advan- or basic rule is the Führer's approval, which is basically yeah. uh, the Germans have to be attacking or they stop losing reinforcements or, or they start losing reinforcements, and so yeah. you have to you have to retake key points. Anyways, what I was what I was starting to get to is you can set up and do the campaign or whatever. And, like, I played around with different landing points just to see, like, what it would look like. How successful is it going to go? I didn't play out, like, the whole thing after that because it, then it's, like, it's pretty long to play it out. But it was cool to just, like, re-rack, do it again. All right, let's try invading here. Let's try going over here. The fact that this game offers that what if and how they handled it, which I think is a good time to dive into, it's, it's really cool. Because it's not necessarily – you don't have – you can have kind of the same if you imagine saving private ryan like the beach scene in my mind how i kind of equate it is like that beach scene can play out wherever you choose to invade because what happens is each sure. beach has an intrinsic defense value right maybe it's three two four five one whatever that's going to provide the german players a certain amount of support um, counters that provide different benefits to that hex. So if they have four, if it's a defensive four, it's going to be harder to land there. It's going to be harder to do airdrops there or airdrops behind it. And they're going to get more support counters that apply different effects. Yep. So put the in different units. are actually going to be pulling chits yep. based on the defense value of the beach. So if it's a it's five, still not, it's still not guaranteed, you know, what they're going to pull and everything, but they're going to have more benefits on a stronger health beach. Yeah, and so if you do a five, if you're crazy enough to do a five, the German player just gets to pick. Yeah. Otherwise, it's random. So they get four random pulls, and that applies different results. And so it's not, well, like, oh, well, that part in France, there's no way the Germans would have had any meaningful resistance there. I don't know, like, if that's your argument. What this game does is it it makes it so you can pick any spot and have it play out a little bit differently and have it play out like if there was some kind of German resistance there or something like that. It's it's handled really well. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, and, and the allied player gets certain support shits too yep. that, you know, they get to pick some. There's there's some that they can't pick, like carpet bombing you have to get randomly. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so that... Go ahead. I was just going to say, that's that's how the invasion happens. And, you know, you can look over the map. You can, if you, if you don't, know, don't know the game, you can look at the Vassal module or whatever, and you can see the basically the shore of France is is colored differently depending on those those defense values. So it's not just, you know, they don't have uh, a German unit on every hex, but they have those those colored areas to show that there are defenses, even if there's not, you know, the 711th Infantry or whatever. Yep, yep. So we, we talked about the, the sandbox nature of, of, using, of being able to invade anywhere in France that has a beach that's eligible. And we talked real briefly about the the Führer's like satisfaction, how the it, it kind of like how that plays out, how that forces the German player to consider, you know, what do they try to take back? When do they launch a counterattack? What are the consequences of doing that? Tracking and, that's very interesting. And the Festungs as well, because the Germans yep. can declare I think there's only certain hexes. I think they have to be have like a border, but certain hexes that Germans can say, This is a Festung and they get lots of huge advantages. It makes it very hard to take but it pisses Hitler off because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's like, no, I don't want you holding up there. I want you attacking. So yeah, it's really a track to push the German player on the offensive, which is, you, you know, again, I mentioned there's going to be comparison to Normandy here. It's real easy as the German player, Normandy 44 to just like hold up in Karn, hold up in your cities because you have those attack limits mm-hmm. uh, in Normandy, like how big your attacks can be. It's real easy to play defensively as the German player. Now I'm not saying you don't want to counterattack there when you can't, but this very much forces you to into counterattacks in an interesting way. It's not like you have to attack. It's like you better be considering attacks. So that's another really interesting aspect of the game. We mentioned these support counters, which is another thing that like this is where it adds in the chrome. So we're not we don't really need to talk about the movement and attacks of this game because we we've seen it. And if you, if you're new to historical games, you're going to pick that aspect up really quick, but right, like what about air support and naval support and all that stuff? You have these counters that you get a certain amount of each turn and it, it varies for each player. And you can attribute those counters across the map. Now, some of them are going to be tied to key hexes the ally player de- determines. They're called like Plut- the Pluto markers you put out. And those those will kind of move around the mark- map, but o- only certain things can happen around the Pluto's, um, the Pluto markers. But I really like that. Like, okay, here's what you can use this turn, and there's certain limitations, but here's what you're going to get. And like, you can apply it, and you can save it, and you can leave it on the map or, or pull them off. I, or what did you think about the support stuff? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It adds uh, some some randomness to it. You know, it's um, it adds a chit pull aspect to it, even though you're not usually when you think of chit pull, you think of chit pulling a unit for activation. So instead of that, you're chit pulling what kind of support you get. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was that was really cool. Uh, and also like how that be needing to operate in like a certain nexus of, of the Pluto markers and stuff. I, I thought that was cool. Like you can't just, you know, pick a hex like yeah. in, in the midst of Germany or something right. like that. Like you kind of got to operate within three hexes on some of them. Yeah. Of because markers. the allies, what you have to do is you can't just move your combat units. Basically you have to move your support structure as well. Yep. 
So I think that's that's what that's trying to show is spending time and effort to move support up up to closer to the front. Yeah, and you you will forego um, support counters as allied players to move that up, mm-hmm. and then also with moving the support up, you have to move the supply up. And this was another kind of difference in Normandy 44 that I I really like. So Normandy 44 for supply, you basically have to count back to a road and go back without crossing a Zoc or an enemy. So as long as you can get to the road, you're going to get your units in supply. Here, you have to chain through HQ units. So HQs will have a range that that their units can kind of operate and move in and out of. And to be in supply, the actual units need to be in that command radius of the HQ. And then the HQ has the, they need to get back to a road and go back to their supply sources. And if you chain those HQs together properly enough, that is what enables like strategic movement. You can go as far as you want, as long as you move inside HQ radiuses. And so I like the supply and command structure of this game and how you need to move and think about where you're parking your HQs. I assume that what like, what do you think of that? Of that? Yeah, I mean it's it's the same thing. It's it's you know, it causes it, it forces you to plan your your support structure as well. Um, and at the beginning, when you're just invading the beaches, it obviously doesn't make that big a deal because you're right. just trying to get the beaches cleared and trying to get stuff pushed up. But um, there's there's a balancing act between both players. Um, and it's been a while since I played this one opposed. So I've it was playing both players myself when I was playing it uh, recently. But um, yeah, there, I mean, there's a balancing act where you, the allied player, is is trying to get off the beach, is trying to push his front, but also trying to push his support. The front, the German player is trying to decide how much ground to give and how much, um, uh, how many feshtungs he wants to create because you know cities are worth victory points and um not only that but you get well it's not you get you get points for for liberating like french areas mm-hmm. um and then you get the french to to fight for you as well so it's a it's another way for the allies to get um get more support not not support shits but you know actual units on the map but um, they have to they have, they have to do something for France first for the the French to start fighting for them. So it's it's interesting. Um, and I mean, I think it's one, it's one of those games that y- you can play it several times and it's always kind of kind of look the same, assuming you land on Normandy just because you know it's always gonna be branching out from there. but you know, whether you go up into the peninsula or whether you you know make a beeline for Paris or beeline for Germany, there's gonna be, a lot of different ways the game can play out. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't, again, my, my kind of approach was play Cobra, play some of the campaign. And then Mm -hmm. I played around a lot with just the different invasions, because I think that is really what the game is trying uh, of all the things it's trying to do. I think presenting that, okay, the allied player can do whatever they want. um, Seems to at least be important. And so there's not, Everything we've talked about except the flexibility with the landing zones is all the basic rules. Movement, yeah. combat, basic right. supply. Okay. The the advanced rules add in airdrops and the landings. And I think that's it. 
Well, the only uh, the other thing I would say, I mean, we have stressed that the Allied player can do whatever they want, but the German player has a lot of decisions to make too. Yeah. Because they have to, if they haven't ticked Hitler off too bad, you know, they can announce withdrawal from France. Right. Um, and you know, if if you play far enough into it, you don't you don't get into like a full invasion of Germany, but you know, as you're leaving France and getting to, you know, the borders of Germany, um, you know, it's different decisions will, will depend on, on how the game is going to go from there. So, but again, it, it's important for the German player to, uh, at least maintain for Hitler's sake, the, uh, the sense of, uh, of an attack. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. The French, the creation of the free French units, that's, that's an advanced role, but yeah, there's, there's some, there's some stuff like repairing ports and, and stuff like that. But overall, this is not an overly complex game. When I opened this up, I was like, oh, wow, this is not near as much as, uh, oh, and the withdrawal from France. That's all, that's all advanced stuff too, but this no, is not a very complex stuff, game right? at all. Like the, the core mechanics of this game are very straightforward the the use of support chips and then combat let's talk about that real quick because i really like this this combat system right so sure. it's 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 ratio it's odds ratio base like if i have 35 attack and you have five defense it's seven to one or you know, if, if i'm 35 and you're seven then it's five to one right um you have some modifiers obviously of terrain modifiers you can use elite units you can also use armor um the armor basically allows for exploit movement um, but it's going to increase your losses on your armor units. And so there's three. So you find your odds. Well, let's say we're on three to one. You have one column of the three to one is just losses. Okay. You roll your 2d6. You get your losses. Attacker takes one. Defender takes two. Then you have an Then you move over a column and that's the attacker result. And then you move over another column and that's the defender result. So not only do you have losses, but then you have specific consequences for the attacker and defender which makes sense but then it's color-coded okay and so if you use an elite units you can then shift your result so if you're the attacker and you get an e2 which is you can exploit with two units you can potentially shift that to exploit to three units or exploit with if you're just exploit with one up to e3 if you're in the same kind of color bracket so there's a little bit of like player agency in in determining your consequences, at least how as it applies to your units. Which I, it, it's not overly complex. It's just a slight twist, and I really I love uh, combat resolution systems that aren't overly obtuse, but add in just a little bit something that's a little bit different, much like blind swords. Yeah, and that's that's what I was hinting at before. It it's not the same as the blind swords, but it's it's similar in that they they break it up into like a losses and and a tactical result so both can two separate results for the same attack all right i don't know if i don't know if there's any like specific rules that that we i can think of that are worth mentioning i think just like as i as i played this game i really the things, those rule differences I pointed out from Normandy 44 are all things I just super enjoyed. I like the kind of daisy chaining. I like the, ah, the, the support counters. They're fine. That's also very blind swords, right? Mm-hmm. Th that's fine. But just the combat resolution and the sandbox. Yeah. Overall, I really like this. And it felt like a good 
operational Normandy game, which is, you know, what you want to feel like. You want you want something that's going to play out differently. Normandy 44, I love that game, but man, a lot of the games do kind of boil down to the same kind of choke points. And so just having a game you can revisit and still capture the essence of like what I think imagine a, a game on Normandy would want to cover. I, I mean, I think it excels at it and it's a really great game. Yeah. I think uh, probably my best quick description of the game, it, it feels like it hits above its weight. You know, yes. it's the rule book's not that big. There's not that many counters, um, but it has a lot of complexity in a good way. Uh, Chrome <laughs> may be the best way to say it. Um, yeah. I'm not sure, but it's, it's not it's not overly difficult to comprehend. It's just got little things in it um, that that add to it. Yeah, I uh, that's a really great way to sum it up. It it punches above its weight. That's yeah. that's fantastic. Is there anything yeah. spe- specifically that you want to mention or point about the game that that we didn't cover yet? The only thing I ever wanted that uh, I wanted to cover is is sort of that misconception I talked about earlier. So when I said that this game wasn't what I wanted, so. And I think I even talked about it earlier this year when I played GTS. Um, the actual invasion, you know, it's mm-hmm. going to be a chit on a chit. And then you go through, is it like two or three combat rounds? I can't remember. It, well, no, you go until uh, you go until it's vacant. You yeah, just keep that's going. right. That's right. Yeah, you do keep going. But usually it's it's two or three. I yeah, think is right. About average. Yeah. So, yes, um, that. I mean, it's fine because that's what the scale of the game is. But then when I played The Greatest Day, I was like, cool. Now mm. I'm now I feel like I'm doing an invasion. Um, and it just had a total different feel for it. And that specific thing is what I was looking for. That's not what this game is. And when I said it wasn't what I wanted, that's what I meant. But it, it's just not what this game is. And this game is great for what it is. You mean this game is not, and we've talked about this with Normandy, this game is not a D-Day game. Is Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this game is more of a, you know, Liberation of France game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I would... that's well said. I think from what you, how you describe GTS, and as a reminder to folks, Normandy is just you roll a die and you see the results. And mm-hmm. um, Salerno's the same way. Yep. Even on your airdrops, you roll, see what happens, roll, see what happens, see what happens. You just go down the list and then you're done with it. Here, when you get to the advanced game, it it's like one step beyond that. You are just rolling to see if your invasion happens, but you're also you're predetermining your airdrop hexes and you're rolling on those to see what the results are. So it's like one or two steps above Normandy 44. It's, it's not a D-Day game. It's not an airdrop game, but it does have a little bit more meat to the invasion aspect. I, I would say a significant amount of the meat because everything is scripted for you in Normandy 44. You do this to start the game. Same thing with Slurno. You did this to start the game and then you just check the results and see what happened. Yep. I yeah, did. Be, go ahead. I would be interested to see how this one compares to cross channel attack when that one comes out. Mm. Um, probably, probably going to be more of a comparison these two than Normandy 44. But again, cross-channel attack and i can't even remember offhand if that's ocs or bcs but either way it's going to be a big game with a big rule book and a lot of counters yeah this one may do the same thing with a small rule book and a smaller number of counters which is cool i mean that's that's a great thing to do if you can have the same decision space and complexity with a lot less material 
The one other thing I really liked is just in the since we're talking about the invasion thing, and this is just a little thing. It's a, it's a little rule, but let, let's say you look at the Normandy invasion zone. It tells you, okay, if you're going to pick to do your beach landings here, and you can pick different zones, right? But you pick the worst uh, statistics for them. It'll tell you, you can bring six divisions in your opening wave, your mm-hmm. follow-up wave, nine divisions, and here's how many supply markers you get. I mean, like air support, right. things like that. Uh, really, And if you divide, you're like, oh, we're going to do a little bit over here. We're going to do a little bit over here. You apply the worst like area. And some areas, let's say you're like, oh, I want to invade over here. It may not allow air support. Yeah, and so there's little things like that that factor in, and this is, I this game is, you do not need this in Normandy 44 in your collection unless you really love Normandy games. They are both doing inch of they're taking a very base system and adding cool chrome and that little chrome of like having the invasion deal like that's that's the stuff I I just love to see in games. It's not hard to grasp that at all, but it's just it's great flavor and to like see it differently across the map. I really enjoyed. Yeah, I agree. Who doesn't right. love Normandy games? So come on. That's right. Yeah, I don't know how many I need in my collection. <laughs> I, I mean, I say you don't need them. I mean, that's not like either of these games are going anywhere anytime uh, soon. All right, recommended reading. So I'm, I'm sure we have our, our favorite World War II books. I go Anthony Beaver all the time, either D-Day, The Battle from Normandy, or if you just want the full thing, just a blast of it, just do the Second World War. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? Uh yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I can say which one I like the best, but one that I read recently, definitely in the last year, the Peter Caddick Adams book was very sure. good. Uh, Sanded Steel, I think it's called. Yes, that, that sounds one. right. Um, you know, yeah. I, there, there was, um, taking everything I just said about Stephen Ambrose, Citizen Soldiers, <laughs> and D-Day, I read both of those. Both very enjoyable, but again, I didn't know that. And they're super well rated. They're both very reasonable or readable. D Day is obviously just about D Day and, and a little bit beyond. And then Citizen Soldiers is more just a kind of bigger picture and probably better fits the whole game because it's Normandy and beyond about the U.S. Army. Mm-hmm. So if you go read those, I recommend them. Just know that Stephen Ambrose definitely has his problems as an author and not just like, Oh, I don't, I don't agree with what that guy says. It's like, no, this guy like has like, it's kind of a little bit of a liar. So take that with a grain (laughs) of salt. I did enjoy them. I did rate them very highly. So yeah. Oh, Band of Brothers has a D-Day book as well. um, Specifically about, I think it's called the Americans at D-Day. So very good as well, but it's only on the American side. Very, very good. Okay. Well, folks, we have a list. We do have a list. A list of every single war game ever made, ranked from best to worst. Right now, it's ranging from 1 to 70, with the U.S. Civil War, the best game ever made, ranking at the top with a Zeppelin Raider. Womp, womp, womp. (laughs) Sending number 70. About to be 71. All right, Rich. I think Are you my sure floor. About that? Maybe this one will be seventy-one. No, no, because I have a floor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think you know what my floor is, and this maybe this pushes you higher than where you want to go. But my floor is Normandy forty-four. Yeah, that makes sense. I figured. I don't know how much floor. higher I get above that. All right. Well, let's talk about it. Okay. So I don't know. Did you? Uh, if if we set Normandy forty-four, which is right smack dab. In the middle of the list, almost at thirty-four. Yeah. Um, Normandy forty-four, same episode as Zeppelin Raider. 
Go back two, Go back to episode five if you want to hear Matt talk about Zeppelin Raider. Two very, very different games. <laughs> so, Rich, above that is Front Toward Enemy. Which you love, and I still I love played. Front Toward Enemy. I love it. It's hard for me to put this above Front Toward Enemy. It's hard for me to put this over the last 100 yards. Yeah, last 100 yards is pretty good. We, You and I both gush about that game every time we have a chance. I mean, are you going much above that? Is there anything you were looking at higher that you're just like, oh, yeah, this this is better that at any cost, Matt's, or anything like that? Hmm. I love at any cost, Matt's. Um, Look at Battle Him at number 23. Just, you know, want to talk about that, punching above exactly your weight? That's exactly what I was just about to say. <laughs> I, you know what? If they ever release Battle Him 2, you and I will like Battle Him 1 more. It's just it keeps falling because we're angry at them. <laughs> Yeah, probably. You know what? This is a very battle him game. It's, yeah, it's better than it's better than battle him. Battle him has to be uh, Patrick. Please uh, make a memo at this time. <laughs> battle him has to come down at the end of the year. I'll, I'll replay it, but it's a very battle him game. It's not. It's not an OCS grinder, right? It's not this super heavy things, but it does mm-hmm. interesting things with the topic. It's not. None but heroes. Why can't I think of line of it's not line of battle. It's not great battles of the American Civil War. And that's not what Battle Him is. It's a very fun game that does some interesting things with the topics. That's what Battle Him does. This is better than Battle Him, but it's not better than Front Towards Enemy. Which is impossible. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I mean I also don't think it's I also don't think it's better than Sometimes the statue that we've formed has three arms. You know? Yeah. That's that's just the way it works out. <laughs> I, right. Yeah, and again, this is a, the, an objective list, and so maybe that's why the the fallacies you know, we forgot the little bit where Rich and I are um, we're ghosts together, and we make clay sculptures and just stick our hands out because this list is just mud, and we just shape it, and really, it's objective. Uh, so, Rich, I don't think this is better than Sekigahara. What do you think about that? Because you no, just I played Sekigahara. So. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, yeah, I think that's that's the funny thing is I think if you look at 34 then this becomes the new 34 you know if you look at 23 then this becomes the new 23 can we so we're I on episode... the issue is 23 <laughs> can i propose something can we sure. can we call a meeting uh okay. patrick take take notes patrick <laughs> we're on episode 50 i know we have a rule that we only edit the list once per year but this is episode 50 rich yeah every 50 episodes we get to edit the list boom every 50 episodes we can edit the list or at the end of the year i love all, it all in favor say aye aye, aye. okay so all right motion passes i so, i propose we move battle him down to below men of iron tripec see i was about to say the exact same thing well so we're, we're in agreement what page. are we doing yeah. let's just do it no one, right. who can challenge us battle him so compass games if you're out there i know you're big listeners i know yeah. you we annoy you, but you annoy us too. If you release Battle Hymn Volume 2, maybe we'll reappreciate your game. It's not going above Men of Iron Tribag, I'll tell you that. <laughs> There's a, no matter, look, Battle Hymn was what, one of the one of the games that inspired the podcast, right? Yeah. I love Battle Hymn. It's a bucket of dice. Men of Iron Tribag slaps and it slaps battle him across the face and oh, says yeah. i'm a better so game good. and and i have 30 scenarios in this right, giant yeah. ass box yeah. you have two and the short or no you have two maps and the short scenarios suck you should just play the campaign games all right okay so i think we feel a lot better about putting this game at the new 33 
Okay, so you're good with not going above last hundred yards. Yeah, yeah, I think last hundred yards is still better. Okay, and then since you you haven't played uh, front toward enemy, whoops, I just knocked. I have my not played front toward enemy. I haven't played so 40, we'll Normandy it. 44 either. Yeah, but, but knowing that system, I've got no problem putting this above it. Yeah, and look, if you're listening to this and you're like, "Oh, I have Normandy 44. Did I make a mistake?" Or oh, I'm, de- I'm debating which one. They really like the Zogbond stuff. Which one do I get? If the you're if the Zogbonds, gamers, Matt, they're going to get both. They probably, but if you're really just going to get one, if the proposition <laughs> of playing around with different invasion appeals to you, then I would and a little bit more robust concept of supply, support, and command. I would go Liberty Roads. If you like the Zokbon system, maybe you're familiar with that, or you're interested in the Zokbon system and kind of like chaining together your units to, to set up different battlefield positions, then I would go Normandy 44. If I had to choose one today, knowing what I know about best system or both systems, I would pick Liberty Roads just because Normandy 44 is not my preferred Zoc bond. And I also know that just below it is Slurno 43, which offers an, a miniature, not as good version of Normandy 44. So like if I had to get rid of one, I would get rid of Normandy 44 just because I can get that itch scratch somewhere else. And Liberty Roads, I, I don't have anything else quite like it. So if you're wondering... I would say Liberty Roads, but you wouldn't be doing wrong by either choice. Yeah, totally fair. Sweet. Wow. Awesome. I like that. That's like a good spot. 71. How many more to go, Rich? Well, we got a choice. We can either do 71 more games or we can stop if we have both played every game that either of us owned. Oh, that's going to be a long one. Uh, We're going to get some knocked off next month. Well, about that. So, do you want to feature a game next month, or do you want to take a like a patron topic or a listener topic or something like that? The only reason I say that is I just know for the next two weeks is Historic Fest and mm-hmm. prepping Historic Fest games. So, Founding Fathers. Yeah. And I we're think... not playing anything together at Historic Fest other than Founding Fathers. Well, I mean, I think we can make Founding Fathers our featured game. We're both okay. playing it together. It deserves to go on the list, so... It's got a solo mode. I would like to spend more than... I mean, we're, we're going to spend you know, like 10 hours with it. Um, I would like to spend like more than like one go at it before <laughs> before we discuss it. But maybe we should fiat it and, and we'll use our fiat for the year. And we'll say, let's do Founding Fathers unless we like wrap up on Friday. And we're like, oh no, we need to spend more time with this. So let's yeah. evaluate like how we feel about it. Let's say Founding Fathers for August. And then if for whatever reason we don't, want to do founding fathers we can do like a uh i had a great listener suggestion of doing like our preferred introduction games and then like what's the step beyond that we've never really we've talked about it but we've never done like a dedicated episode i think that could be interesting and we can also just i'll throw it out there to the patrons they can they can pick the the topics if we're like we can't we can't talk about founding fathers but i think we will because we've played you know we've played republic of rome very similar games so sure Okay, so let's do that. That's our plan for August. So, so we're then, gonna talk about September then. Go ahead and give people time to think. Yeah, because I here's here's what I just know is going to happen. I want to know what September is by the end of Historic Fest. If you're cool with that, or at least have an idea of it, just because. No, nope, makes total sense. I wanna I wanna go hit the ground running into it. Uh, so do you have a nomination for September? Uh, 
Yeah, I'm going to th- I'm going to throw uh onto Richmond 2 on there cuz oh, it's on my beautiful. table and it's going to be great and I want to play it. Okay. I am going to throw two up there uh, and they're going to be separate entries, so I'm cheating a little bit, but I'm going to throw up both Triumph of Marengo. I don't know if a Vassal module exists with the caveat being that if a Vassal module doesn't exist so you can play, then I'm also throwing up Guns of Gettysburg. If Triumph of Marengo <laughs> wins and there is no Vassal module, that is a vote and nomination for Guns of Gettysburg. Or Guns of Gettysburg can just win outright on its own. But I I think we we need to play these games just with everything I've heard about the system and the designs and, and everything. I, I want to play them. So I'm throwing them both up there. Now, if you want a say in what we talked about in August or the games we feature in September, you can go to patreon.com slash history table. You can join and support our show, help us do the thing and, and pay the podcasting bills, all of that stuff. And you get to vote every month ish. We put up some games. It'll be more than the three we just nominated. There'll be a whole list. That's how something like Liberty Roads gets nominated. And if you become a Patreon, you can do the patron mail, which we have a patron question now. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I like this question. Yeah, I thought it was a good one, too. This question came from First Contact Gamer. Given the plethora of great games being released recently and the unfortunate limits of time, what recent newer game are you most disappointed you did not or will not have time to get to? Uh, mine's easy. It's Border Reavers. Oh, yeah? There's just... Yeah, I mean, I want to play that so bad, but multiplayer game with, like, the summer I'm having, I just... Border Reavers is like my top want to play, want to experience. Just don't have the time in, in the the play group, the six people to, to sit down and do it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, mine is not from this year, but it's actually from the beginning of last year. It's a game that I have just gotten to just taste. And I know I want more, but I just don't have the time or anyone to play it with right now. And that's Vietnam 65 to 75. Oh, that's I want to dive into that game. And I just, I don't know when it's going to happen eventually will, but I don't know when. And I, I want to, I want to see everything that game has. There's, I, I think that's a wonderful choice. That's probably my number two. And my number three is not my fault. And that's winner's victory. And where the hell are you? Because it's still yeah. not out. September. <laughs> supposed to be out. Um, I've, I've talked about that game for so long. New England Simulations, Battle of Um yeah. Can't wait for it. And that's why I don't. I cannot and will not get to it because I'm disappointed that I don't have it. But the ones that, is outs- that are not outside forces, that are my own limits, is definitely Border Reavers. With Vietnam 6575 probably being second. Yeah. Yeah, um, so you own Border Reavers, I'm assuming? No, I don't. I don't have oh, it Oh, you yet. don't own it. Okay, got no, it. No, no. I was thinking that one might be a good one for a Columbia game day sometime. I think so, too. Yeah. 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 Cool. I'll, I'll be interested to hear how that one, you, you, and we've talked about this. Here I stand, great at six players. I'm assuming Virgin Queen's the same way. You don't really play it with less. You drop down to something else. I wonder if Border Reavers is the same because yeah. if you look at BGG, they say four or six is the best way to play. But is that true? Uh, because I really wouldn't want to play here. I see him without the true, the full six. Right. So maybe if border reavers plays four, then, you know, Lake Viking, Viking yeah. con, I mean, Viking that's, con. That's a good one too. 
If it plays four. If it requires six, then sorry. Got to go. Yeah. All right, folks. This is the point in the show where we wrap up the talk about historical games and we talk all about the other stuff that uh, keeps us distracted and, and keeps us from all the other things. Okay, what everything else we've been doing. So if you're done with the historical stuff, you can go and tune out now. If you don't care about Magic the Gathering, then go ahead and turn <laughs> the podcast off because we're about to talk about it. Rich, I've got a new format i got to talk about. Pre-modern. Okay. Okay. I don't know what that is. Okay, so in 2003, Wizards of the Coast changed the border styles of Magic the Gathering cards into the modern border. There okay. is a format of magic that is probably one of the most, probably the most popular outside of Commander. Like Commander, hands down, is the most popular version of, of Commander of, of Magic right now. The most popular competitive format is Modern. So most things, except for things explicitly released for Commander, printed from 2004 onward, are all legal in Modern. So okay. how old is Magic? Is it 30 years old? It's three years old, so it so, came out in 93. So, so 10 years you're talking about would be pre-modern. The first uh, 10 except years. it goes pre-modern is explicitly 95 in 2003, so it cuts out the first three sets, Okay. which has a bunch of like the Power 9 and a bunch of really hard-to-find things. So this is basically a, everything from 4th from edition through Scourge, which maybe that means something to you, maybe it doesn't, that was at one point standard legal. So standard is a rotating format that covers the most recent sets in Magic. Um, for a while, it's been two years. They're changing it to three years for whatever reason. It's so stupid that they're going to three-year rotation. Anyways, it's the most recent set. So as long as these sets were recent or standard in 95 to 2003, they're legal. Uh, tons of fun. One, dirt cheap for the most part. There is some like crazy expensive stuff from... 95 that's it's like hard to track down so like a dirt cheap format to get into and it's just like it's a 60 card format uh with 15 card sideboard just playing old cards mm -hmm. and it's it's pretty awesome like you're you you find something and it allows you to cheat into something and like the big awesome thing you're cheating into without paying its mana cost is like a seven mana trample lifelink with no other abilities yeah and it's like you know because i know you play a lot of arena right mm -hmm. and a seven mana in today's Magic the Gathering is going to have a paragraph of text. Right. Yeah. It's going to do seven mana cards are basically like, you know, if 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 someone plays one and you can't immediately deal with it, the game's over. Yes. That is. You're exactly right. You nailed it. It's got to be the game ender. A seven mana in pre modern. Yeah, it's probably going to be a game ender, but. It's also just like a, a seven seven with trample. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, it's gonna kill you. Okay, you have a three turn clock because I'm gonna hit you for seven, seven, and seven. Right. But like you better deal with it or it's going down. But it's also not like a paragraph of text. So you get some like I'm gonna bring two pre modern decks to uh Historic Fest if anyone wants to play with me. You know, it's um the the decks I have are, are pretty straightforward to pilot. There is some like weird stuff to pilot, but mm -hmm. Like, one of my decks, like, plays a two-mana enchantment that lets me go get a creature, and, like, the creature I get is a 6-6. A six, six. It doesn't even have haste or anything like that. It's a 6-6. Six, six. I can sack it to deal six damage to everything, including myself. And, like, that's the, like, big powerful stuff. So it's, like, it's really cool, fun jank. Um, it, it's just, like, a really cool... My earliest memories of Magic are from this time period. And so I, I didn't play a ton, but my brother did, and sometimes I'd be able to play with him. And so, like, I, I see things like a harvest storm, 
and that art just like brings back so much nostalgia for me that it's like yes harvest worm wow that card's bad but damn do i remember this worm hell yeah and i'm gonna find a deck to play harvest worm and stuff like that so just had a, a lot of fun with um yeah as an aside I've, I've played a lot of pioneer i've started going to pioneer nights at um the store up up the street and that's kind of like modern but like even more recent and the deal with modern just real quick before you, you, we talk about other things modern has had a set come out designed directly for modern it's called modern horizons okay okay that those sets have had busted ass cards like just <clears throat> so busted they've changed the format you're really not playing like a modern deck from eight years ago rarely is it like it's not going to be as competitive anymore you have to like play with these super push super powerful cards the great thing about pioneers that's just the legal sets and so to this point they haven't messed it up by printing directly to pioneer and and pioneers like the last like five or six years forward so instead of going back to 2006 or whatever i said um it just goes back like five or six years maybe a little longer than that and so that's been a lot of fun too but pre-modern is what i really want to talk about just because it's old art old really meaningful art with with uh artists you know about and just really cool yeah cool stuff nice yeah i, I hear buzz that they're they're trying to figure out a way to do multiplayer on magic arena yeah that'd be that'd be really cool i mean yeah. i still i still love the singleton formats i uh commander i love it uh, Canlander, I think, is just as fun. I don't get as many times chances to play that. I love those formats. They've done a lot. Commander has done a lot, both good and bad, for Magic over the last... from, like, COVID forward. And the amount of product and the amount of Universes Beyond product, which does not bother me at all. I don't care that we're getting a Doctor Who set because it's, it's probably cool to someone else. I, I really yeah. don't... I don't care. Um... Doctor Who's not for me, but that's not to say they won't design something like that that will be for me. Mm-hmm. It, and it's just like the amount of stuff coming up, the the power creep, all that stuff. It, like a lot of that can probably be attributed to Commander's popularity. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know, but I still love the format. But as a nice breath of fresh air for 60 card, pre-modern is sweet. Yeah. My youngest loves playing Magic. She, I got her into it, and, and we've only got really we just like we've got we, we do have four commander decks but when we play against each other we just have two of those little you know you buy the five dollar thing and put them together <coughs> in the deck so i've yep. got four of those and we made two decks out of them and that's all we ever play i'll get some more just to break it up a little bit but she she loves playing that thanks did you do i i know on arena and we're not a magic podcast but i know you play and mm-hmm. did you draft um any lord of the rings stuff on arena um, yeah. So, I mean, I bought a bunch of packs with the gold okay. that I got from my dailies and I, I've done a few drafts as well. I mean, usually when I, when I play a draft event, I don't do well. I get typically two wins. So did you um, draft, did you do a draft event for Lord of the Rings by any chance? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know about you, but I really, and I'm not great at draft. I've, mm-hmm. I lucked into drafting red black, which just happened to be really strong. Uh-huh. I really, I like nothing from Lord of the Rings set excited me all that much. But man, I had a blast drafting Lord of the Rings. Like as a sealed, just contained deal, I thought it was a really fun environment to like play cards in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I, you know, it took me a couple games to even figure out how the whole ring tempts you thing yeah. works. But yeah, once you figure that out, I mean, that's obviously the the defining mechanic of the set. So, um, I mean, I hear people talking online about 
orcish bowmasters. I don't think I've ever even drafted one of those. Oh. So I don't know what they do, but yeah. Yeah, and that's so. There's that. So what's interesting about Lord of the Rings? It's commander, right? And it's it's legal and legacy, and mm-hmm. it's also legal and modern. And so the Pro Tour, or well, it's it's yeah, no, it's Pro Tour now. Um, Pro Tour Modern was the weekend before last. It was game four of the finals of the Modern Pro Tour for Lord of the Rings was one of the best games of Magic I've ever played. If you're at all interested in Modern or Magic, like go watch game four of the finals. Mm. Game five was just kind of a letdown after after game four, but holy shit, what a game of Magic. Anyways, the whole talk around this Modern event was the One Ring and Orcish Bowmasters. And how, like, I think the One Ring was in 68% of decks at the Pro Tour. Yeah. And Orcish Bowmasters was in, like, 53 or something like that. Like, whatever the numbers were, and I could be off. It was just, like, usually when a card is that ubiquitous, it's probably going to get a ban. We have bans coming tomorrow. I have no idea if it'll be banned or not. I don't play Modern. I don't really care about Modern other than the Pro Tour. Um, but it'll be interesting if Orcish Bowmasters and One Ring get bans because people are talking about it. But they also just, like... Those are your one ring cash cows. There's not right. a lot of there's not a lot of things that you can get out of a one ring uh, Lord of the Rings pack as valuable as those two. Uh, like the set is a ton of fun, but the value in like if you go to the store and you buy a pack of Lord of the Rings, you're probably not going to get your money's worth. Yeah. Anyways, so are they going to ban like you know how much money do you think they're playing the Tolkien estate to print one ring cards through <laughs> they have they have christmas packs coming out too yeah. like christmas gift bundles so you know they're paying on like it's not you're done you you're still paying for this and so you're not going to ban the chase card out of the set is my assumption even though most people are calling for it just with how common it is in in modern decks i don't know yeah you see post malone just bought the the number one card for 2 million dollars the one of one one yeah. ring yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, he also he arguably has the rarest card of magic, which is uh, um, Chris Rush, the artist for Black Lotus, signed artist print of oh, Black okay. Lotus. But the artist, and I'm just double checking the the name on it. I th- I think he passed away. Mm. Um, and so like his Black Lotus signed by Chris Rush is probably way more valuable than the one ring i don't know i mean he bought he bought that for less than two million dollars but so maybe the one ring is more valuable i have no idea but. i think my copy of brave little belgium is worth about two million dollars you think so could be I think so uh-huh. could be all right sorry sorry to geek out <laughs> on you it's just like i find it, like doing the pioneer thing that's been that's been a lot of fun and then the pre-modern like it's it's just like i've been dying to like geek out about it so thank you for humoring me while i while i geek out real quick all right I saw. I see you had a note here that uh, so the old prince has been on eighteen XX, but new to eighteen XX. Okay, I saw you guys talking about it, and I'm clueless on this, so that's what I was wondering about. Yeah, eighteen forty one. Okay, which is hell of a, and it's pre alpha, so I'm, I'm assuming we're gonna get some uh, some issues with this. Yeah, sure. Uh, I played this in person once, and it just blew my mind <laughs> so, so what's special about this one okay so it's northern italy which whatever that's that's fine it's the shenanigans you can get up to in uh splitting corporations okay um and you can do that in some others right sorry not splitting merging corporations and 
I'm, I'm misspoken. I'm, I'm misremembering the game. It's merging corporations and having corporations own other corporations. Okay. So you can have like a chain of companies. You can have company A own company B own company C. And it's really sweet. It's been a year since I've played this in person. Yeah. Um, so I don't remember everything I loved about it, but the fact that I get a chance to dive back into this, especially once all the kinks get, I usually, I don't play a game in alpha, but I'm so excited for this one that, um, yeah, it's fine. As long as they don't upgrade it in the middle of the game. Right. Like if Uh, it depends, even if they upgrade it, if there's like, sometimes your game will still work. It's just like, you'll probably hit a bug and then like your game won't be able to be recovered, especially I haven't seen anything in pre alpha before. So It'd probably be rough, but yeah, having companies own other companies is super interesting. And then you have mergers, and the 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 companies you launch uh, do different things. Like it's just the terrain is different. Where like different parts of the map aren't viable until later stages of the game. There's a lot going on that I'm not remembering. I just know that my one experience of this game was like nothing else. <laughs> well, I'll let you take that one and. I've, some of these these eighteen XX games, I'm just no good at. So, um, I enjoy them, uh, but but I limit my plays on them because, you know, usually I'm just fighting for last place. You got to find one and then just like make that one your baby. Yeah. Well, good. Anything anything else you want to talk about besides trains and my uh, soapbox about magic cards? Nope. I'm just. I keep saying that I'm really excited to go to Kansas City. So speaking of trains, I'm taking the train. That's awesome. Yeah, so I'm actually that's... looking forward to that. It'll be better than driving across the state. Yeah, I think that's pretty sweet. I think you need to rope up uh, like Bruce or Chris. Those... Yeah, I don't think either Bruce or Chris is coming this year. Well, round them up and say hop on a train with me because then you can. Yeah. You know, you got a you got four hours plus you stops or whatever. Right. Like you'd be able to knock out a. Brave Little Belgium game or something. I don't know. You name it. Absolutely. Play a bunch well, it's of... Got, it's got Wi-Fi, so I'll get something going on Vassal. There is, well, there you go. But if you wrap... You know, what's Todd doing? Say, hey, Todd, hop on the train with me. Come to Kansas City. We'll play <laughs> games on the train. Yeah. I guess you're just taking the train to Columbia? No, or I'm taking, taking it all the to, way. to Kansas City. Oh, and okay. My daughter, who lives in Columbia, she's going to... That way, she doesn't have to come to St. Louis, drive us there to KC then come back to St. Louis, then go to Columbia. All she yep. has to do is go to KC and back to Columbia. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, sweet, buddy. Enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. That's that's going to do it for us. Folks, the the thing we, we push now is just if you want to interact with us, just go join our Discord. It's I haven't yeah, – it's been a busy summer with surgery and all that stuff. I haven't been on it a ton, but it's still the best place to interact with us. There's a link down in the show notes. Just click that and you'll invite it to the server. Or if you just want to shoot me an email, I can send you an invite. Or uh, there's a Facebook page out there. You can ask there too. Whatever. We'll get you on the Discord if you want to get there. Stop by. Introduce yourself. Do the yep. thing. Play some games. Talk about some games. Yeah. Hop talk in about in some it. other stuff besides games. All, all of the above. Big 12. The Big 16 Big 12. <laughs> it's, yeah, all, it's all game. It's right now. Yeah, well, they were proactive or reactive. I guess they were reactive, yeah. which um, has been very beneficial to them because not every conference has. So, folks, that is going to do us for do it for us. We'll be back before the end of this month after Historic Fest with our Historic Fest 2023 wrap up and everything we talked about 
founding fathers, whatever topics. And then a little bit later on, not as soon as you hear this message, but uh, sometime later this week, a poll will go up for September's game on patreon.com slash history table. That's going to do it for us, folks. Yeah. Good night, everyone. I'll see you in Kansas City. Good night.